This was uh, by far HubSpot's uh, biggest launch ever, ever. And I'm confident in saying that. Um, what we've done though, is because of the state of global affairs, um, all the proactive promotion and you know the big bang, it's just not the appropriate time. It's not where people are focusing. So the product itself, all the training, all the enabling, everything's all ready to go. It's live and they were chugging away. And I'd love, you know, we're gonna talk about that in a minute. Um, and then once uh, the timing is right, we'll see a, a nice big bang in the market. Cool. So welcome to my first inbound influencers, um, and I'm doing it with somebody who I think fair to say has taught me near enough everything I know about websites and HubSpot, CMS, and methodology. Um, if you've been consuming our content for a while, you'll know you know all about him. But um, hello, Luke Summerfield. How's it going? Thanks for having me, and welcome everyone. Oh, pleasure, pleasure. So we, where, where are you now? Right, are you at home? I presume. Or is it? It's it's home for the last month or so. We haven't we haven't been doing too much. Um, you know, I'm fortunate enough. I live in San Diego, California, so we're way in the south, um, and it's always always sunny here, always good weather. So at least we get to uh, go out on the patio and enjoy some some sun. So we're definitely fortunate and a little spoiled to be able to do that. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's been quite quiet here. Everything's all shut down. All the beaches. Yeah. I mean, it's on lockdown. So which is as as it needs to be. Absolutely. So. Um, we're recording this uh, remotely over Zoom with the original plan was to do this um, when you're over at the office, like I say. And yeah. you're going to talk to us at first about um, what you talked about at Love Inbound, which is rethinking web design. Mm. Um, so we've got another podcast about that. Can you just give us a bit of a teaser of what do you mean by rethinking web design? Yeah, what, we, what we've seen is that um, if we take a step back and we look at the web design industry, we are seeing three fundamental shifts in how companies think about building websites. And those shifts are in the company culture, how the company thinks about the website as a tool for business growth and, and where it fits in from a process standpoint, how does a company go about actually implementing and building a peak performing website? And then from a technology standpoint, what types of technology are they choosing to build their website on top of? And so the, the other podcast um, talks very uh, much more deeply in the culture and process. I'll give like kind of the high level here, but of course, you know, anyone listening, you're, you're probably better off checking out the other one, which will go in much detail, much more detail. But from the culture standpoint, what we're seeing is that traditionally companies think about their website very much as a business expense. It's like, it's kind of necessary evil. We just got to pay the money and that money's going to float away. And that, that is what it is. It's very much a static brochure probably took some PDFs that they had and they just digitized them into a little website. And it very much is based off of a lot of sig suggestive, uh, subjective assumptions, like what looks pretty, what does the CEO think? Um, and so what we're seeing now is this shift where you look at high growth companies, companies, you know, Silicon Valley startups, companies like HubSpot, companies that are in all different industries, but just high growth are thinking about their website very differently. Um, they see it as a growth investment. 
So as they invest more and more effort um, and calories into the website, it spins the flywheel faster, gets all the different parts of the business moving quicker. They think about it like a product, like a living, breeding product, just like their other products that or services they offer. This is just one of their product offerings and maybe it's free or maybe they have paid subscription items on their website and actually is a paid product on their website. Uh, and lastly, they're using data to inform all their decisions. In this day and age, there's no shortage of data and, and um, information. Of course, you need to know what data is important, but it allows them to make much smarter decisions. So that's kind of the shift in just how companies are seeing the culture side of it. And then there's also the shift on, okay, how do we actually go about building this? Traditionally, companies... Um, have really focused on a business focused strategy. It's a very me, 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 like let's talk about our products, why we're the best. It's very much a huge project, three, six, nine month long, goes over budget, delivered late, everyone's frustrated by the end of it. And then because of that, they just kind of set it and forget it. It's like, we got this thing done, throw the website to the side and it becomes very stale uh, very, very quickly. Uh, again, from when we look at how companies, modern companies think about their website and build about build it, they've switched to a customer focus strategy where they gain an empathetic understanding of the world that their customers live in and start there, like start with your customers and then weave the website in as a part of that story. They build, instead of doing these monster projects, they build something that looks and performs better than what they have today, but it's just a starting point and is done quickly in order to start gathering data and make those informed decisions. And then of course, once it's launched, that's just the starting point. We can continuously improve it with all this data and again, make it like a growth engine that's built up over time. And so that's really what we talked about or focused on in the, in the other podcast. Again, you can get the deep dive on all of that, but those are the two first shifts that we've been seeing the, the culture shift, the process shift. Um, and then, and there's the third one, which is, I think what we're going to dive into today, a bit more detail is the technology shift. Absolutely. And um, the big, the big news this week in the HubSpot world, literally yesterday, uh, was the launch and the shouting about the HubSpot CMS hub. Woo! Um, so I know we were uh, not allowed to talk about this publicly for a while. Um, obviously, I remember you coming over uh, with Megan and you were talking about how much work was going into it. Uh, it was a massive project. This was HubSpot's uh, biggest launch ever. Ever. And I'm confident in saying that um, what we've done, though, is because of the state of global affairs, um, all the proactive promotion and, you know, the Big Bang, it's just not the appropriate time. It's not where people are focusing. So the product itself, all the training, all the enabling, everything's all ready to go. It's live. And they were chugging away. And, I'd you know, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, and then once uh, the timing is right, we'll see a, a nice Big Bang in the market. Yeah, I think um, you mentioned like the current, everybody will know what we're talking about, even if they listen to this in a year's time. But um, what we're finding is that it's a tricky balance at the minute of websites becoming so important anyway. And now is actually a time that you can work on improving your website and actually, um, you know, you, you can't go out and go and attend sales pitches. You can't post that event you can't go to that networking event so yeah we've actually got time and budget on our hands so now's a good time to if you listen to this at summer spring 2020 now yeah. you time to actually take a look at your website and focus on it so it's good timing in that way to have all these new tools yeah. so what these new tools in the cms hub 
what is your top line pitch your what describe it to us well, the, the first thing that's worth going through is like the shift that we're seeing on the technology side, because that shift is what informed what we built. And so the shift that we saw was, again, the culture, the process shift. But in addition to that, we the technology shift was that traditionally the technology. So for those of you listening, uh, the 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 tool that is used for building and growing your website is called a content management system, a CMS. And traditional CMSs very much are built around the need for high maintenance and high security. And that's because, you know, when you're a small business, the website can be maybe a little simpler, but as you grow, uh, your business demands more out of the website. And as it demands more of the website, you start layering on more plugins, more you know traffic, more visitors, more things. And the problem is as that website becomes more complex, it starts to become almost unmanageable. You spend more time in traditional CMSs focusing on maintaining the system and less time being stolen away from focusing on your customers. Uh, and security oftentimes in these traditional CMSs is not built in from the ground up. It's something that is an afterthought where when you think of all, you know, whether you're using Drupal or WordPress or Joomla or any really uh, traditional CMS, there's a level of plugins, themes, core system that all needs to stay up to date. And anytime that stuff's not out, up to date, you're at risk for hacking. It happens all the time. And um, so because of that, there's a lot of security concerns. And of course, you can layer stuff on top of that, but it doesn't completely mitigate it. So uh, we also saw with traditional CMSs, because they get so complex, they start to become unusable for marketers. They almost always need to have a gatekeeper, a developer, an IT person to make any changes onto the site. And the problem with that is in a world like today where we need to be agile, we need to allow our teams to feel empowered. If we've all, uh, for those of you who may this sound familiar, you're in a scenario where you need to make a change on the website, you submit a ticket to that development team, but they're on another project or they're in the middle of a, a sprint cycle. And uh, then they got to fight with them to prioritize it six weeks later maybe it'll get prioritized maybe it will get done and that slows the business out makes it very hard to be agile and, and honestly is frustrating and not needed in the modern world for today that can um, be anything as well can't it that can be i mean anything anything yeah. i mean there's there's literal like i need to update this text or we added a new team member which are such trivial updates but yet you have to go through this gatekeeper to make any of those changes um and, and the other two things that we're seeing with traditional CMSs is, is that they're very much create a one size fits none type of an experience. Mm. You know, especially in this, this age today where right now, the only way that your customers are interacting with your business is digitally. You're showing the exact same with a traditional CMS because it's a disjointed system. You're only able to show one experience, whether they're a visitor, first time visitor or a lifelong customer or one of your distributors versus one of your, you know, direct um, B2C customers. So very much a one size fits none. And lastly, very hard to gauge the ROI or the impact of your website and content efforts. It's very fuzzy. You know, it's, it's tough for them to track. And at the end of the day, that's what you're being measured on as a marketer, your CEO, your CMO says like, you just invested this much time and built this much content. Like how is that helping the business grow? Yeah. So when we shifted and we looked at what modern CMSs 
do. They're built on a SaaS infrastructure. So just like every other technology industry has shifted to SaaS, for some reason, the CMS industry has not. And so modern CMSs are built in a SaaS infrastructure where all that maintenance, all that security, all that headache is just taken care of for you so that you can focus on your customers, not battling your systems, managing your systems. Uh, it's also modern CMSs are built in a way that empowers each one of the team members to just get their work done to drive results. Like let's empower the marketing team to make changes, make updates, build pages, do the work they need to do, mm. which then frees the developers time up because developers are critical. They're absolutely critical for building these experiences, but those developers should be working on more complex, more interactive types of solutions, not changing the text on a headline or changing, a, adding a CTA into a page, set up the system to let the marketer get their work done and free the time up for the developers to build the cool stuff. Um, it's also modern CMSs, again, are building personalized experiences so that when a visitor comes to the site, no matter, you know, lots of information about it, it's connected with your CRM. And so you have so much information about who these folks are that you can tailor the experience around them. And then because it's connected with your CRM and all your marketing tools and everything else, it's really easy to pinpoint the ROI, the contacts, the um, deal stages, the opportunities and the closed deal uh, one that are generated from the website. So that's, again, regardless if you're talking HubSpot or whatever, whatever CMS, when you think of the technology, those are the things that uh, modern companies, high growth companies are looking for out of a CMS. And so what we launched yesterday, CMS Hub is a modern CMS that basically enables everything we've talked about, enables the culture shift, enables the process shift and enables those, those shift in marketing technology. So longer than an elevator pitch, but I think there's an important story here um, for people who are evaluating different technologies. Oh, definitely. I think there's so much good stuff in there. One, I made a note, if you heard me type in it, something that stood out was the personalization and you talked about the benefits to us as the marketers or us as the company with the website, the benefits of ROI and the tying to your CRM. What are the benefits of such good personalization to the end user, to, to the visitor, to the prospect. How do they again, again um, if we go into it with a customer focused strategy where we're understanding the world that that person's living in, what are they, what desired outcomes are they trying to achieve depending on the stage they're at, right? So the desired outcome for someone who's a prospect and the pain that they're feeling when they're early on in their journey is going to be very different than if you're a distributor or if you're, so understanding those worlds of those different personas is very key to start. And then finding and tailoring the experience to basically, so whatever stage they're in, there's some kind of desired outcome they're trying to achieve. And there's some problem or friction that they're running into that's causing pain in not achieving that outcome as fast, cheap, or easy, or, or as ideal as possible. And so when you're able to build, again, thinking of your website as a product, when you build a product or build a website, it should be focused on alleviating that pain or that friction to get to that desired outcome as quick, fast, cheap, and easy as possible. The only way to be able to do that is to first go through that strategy phase and understand that. Two, to have rich information right at your fingertips. And we do that by coupling a CMS and a CRM 
tightly together, like basically connected together so that all the information, what they've clicked on, what they've viewed, what, what source do they come from? What conversations have they had with your service reps, with your sales reps, um, everything um, that rich data that we have is at the fingertips to now adapt that website experience. And so that's where you can really start to weave the website in as a part of their story, get them to the desired outcomes that they want. And at the same time, the business wins as well, right? They're converting on offers, they're upselling, they're cross-selling and solving all of that pain. So that's, you know, when you see someone who does personalization right, um, you know, and there's, again, there's different levels of personalization. There's, there's the, uh, you know, the high level surface personalization where you're adding their name or their company name and kind of like the contact information tokens into the website. Um, you know, that's nice. It's, it's personalized. It, it makes the person maybe intrigued and wants to dive deeper, but there's layers to it where you can go a little bit deeper. And now the second layer of personalization is now we're serving new content blocks or modules or offers. And then you can get one layer deeper, which is what the new CMS hub um, enterprise edition. We can talk about the two tiers, the enterprise edition allows, which is where you build essentially a web application that just like when you jump into Facebook, just like when you jump into your uh, Twitter or I jump onto Asana, when you go into those applications, the entire UI, the entire visual, you know, what's displayed to you is adapted to the things that are most relevant to you. And you can start building those types of experiences, um, whether you're a manufacturer, whether you're a SaaS software, whether you're a, you know, in the, in the financial industry, that's, at the end of the day, that's what your customers are trying to um, experience, and you're able to do that now. And then you just, your mind starts wandering straight away to things like how you can really delight your customers who are going to be revisiting your website and offer them a, a more wholesome experience, a more tying in experience, which means you're just giving them a better service, aren't you? And they're less likely to ever get frustrated by always been treated like a newbie whenever they come to your website and so on. But then yeah. there's all the other things like um, you mentioned reaching out to people and putting new content in front of them. And we can tie all this in with the knowledge of when they're going around the website, what times they're active. And we, you know, we use another tool called um, I think it's Seven Sense that the marketing mm. guys use for email sending. And mm. not only is it like entering their inbox at the time that they use their inbox, yeah, but we've got HubSpot now telling them the right content that they're actually <laughs> interested in as well. And so, right, serving it at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, big question from the all the hard work that's gone into the launch. Did you get a chance to celebrate with everybody being the all? We didn't. I mean, not yet. We are. We do have a party planned at some point. Um, you know, of course, there's a lot of virtual Zoom or Zoom and um, Slack cel little celebrations. But uh, yeah, the hard work's not over. That's for sure. Uh, I mean, launching just like in as we talk about with websites um, and what we talk about in, in the growth and design methodology, this is just the starting point. And so um, there's been quite a flood of questions and use cases and, and things like that. So I think I think it'll be another month before some of the dust and dust settles and we can we could take a step back and and enjoy but yeah we, we will plan a party at some point i'm sure i'll tell you what then let's what's interesting uh, i think is can you give us some insight into what how do you launch something this big and not not just the shouting about it but 
how do you even plan like the to-do list? Where do you start? And wow, what, where do you even begin? Give us some behind-the-scenes look at something this exciting. Yeah, it's it just a massive launch. Um, again, probably one of HubSpot's biggest launches. Again, we won't hear the big splash um, as we may have seen heard in other product launches, but uh, it was a massive project from working on, it started, uh, I mean, we've had the CMS forever. We've had it for 12 years, but this is really the, the next evolution of it. And we started putting together what this all looked like about six uh, to eight months ago. Um, we, we kicked off like this launch. So it was six, six, eight month long project. Uh, we, I don't know how many teams were involved, but it was, I mean, it was every team in every department in the company, product, um, engineering, sales, service, marketing. And so a couple things that we, uh, no matter if you're building a website or you're building a, in this case, a software product and you're launching it, it's really important. Um, and, and I think it's kind of cliche to say, but it is really, really important to have a really crystal clear understanding of the vision. Uh, what is the, like, where are we going to be in five years with this product? Um, because uh, it, I'll put it this way. When you first start out with that many people, you need some type of guardrails that you can come back to as an anchor to anchor in all the millions of decisions that are going to happen over the next six to eight months. And the way that you set that, those guardrails and the, that, that um, kind of uh, anchor is by, we create what we call vision docs. And a vision doc is uh, the scenario that the person finds themselves in, which we call jobs to be done. We talk about it in growth driven design. So what is someone trying to do? Uh, we talk about what's the, the, again, the friction they're running into that's preventing them from accomplishing it. Uh, we say the vision of how we want to change the world for the better in the future. And then we talk about how we're going to do that. We set, we don't necessarily talk about specifics and, oh, it needs this feature. It needs this thing. It's just the, what are the guardrails that we need to set out to make sure that when we hand this off to all these different teams, like they're going to be able to use those kind of guardrails as decision makers. You can kind of think of them like core values, but instead of core values for a business, it's kind of like core values of this product itself. So I think that's step one is just really spending the time to um, build that out and feel really confident in it. Because if you don't, uh, and we had a few areas where we didn't do this well upfront and it caused a lot of questions, a lot of misalignment, a lot of um, reworking stuff uh, near the end. And um, so, yeah, spending the time up front to, to get that guide, guidelines will save so much time in, again, rework and, and alignment and all that stuff. So that's one. Two, the, the second thing we did was uh, you need to set milestones that are very strategic milestones. And the milestones can be set. Uh, some, of the, some of the considerations for how you set milestones is you want to set milestones that are um, – going to put a healthy amount of pressure on the teams that are responsible for getting the work done. And by healthy amount of pressure, you don't want to put too much where everyone's burnt out and stressed and like, it's, they're just going to like, you know, fall off the boat, but you don't want to put too short of um, uh, milestones where, uh, or too long of milestones where people procrastinate and it's just like, it's really slogging along. So the timing of it is very important along with putting some pressure in terms of, them taking something they're working on behind the scenes and making it 
internally public at the company, or it could even be externally public. So we, for example, one of our milestones was to kick off a beta and have what one of our milestones was one solution partner in the new CMS Hub Enterprise beta. And that we just needed one, that was it, but it was a public one. And it was a very, did this happen? Yes or no, it was very easy to tell. Um, and it caused, once you set that milestone, in order to achieve that, in order to achieve that desired outcome at that milestone, a bunch of other things have to happen from the product standpoint, from the um, engineering standpoint, from the partner standpoint, like communicating to partners the right things at the right times, from the legal standpoint, the right agreements and terms have to be. So there's a lot of things that stem off of that milestone. Um, and so the more you can do it as a public milestone, either public meaning like public to the entire company or parts of the company or public to the general public, it, it ca causes a, a bit of forcing function um, to make sure that it's done well and that it's, that it's right. So anyway, that's, that's the second thing. And I won't go too long on this. I could probably do a whole podcast on this, but um, setting the clear vision with the guardrails up front um, setting the milestones of what needs to happen. Those milestones then will inform what teams need to be a part of it. And so you can rally those teams and you basically make a list of all the plays that need to happen between now and launch. And then, and it shouldn't be a ton, like keep them a little more high level. And then you find out who's the DRI that's on the hook to make that a reality. That's really key. A lot of people don't assign DRIs to things. And if you don't sign a DRI or you sign two DRIs to one play, it's never going to happen. It'll just slip through the cracks. And so you need one person where, um, you know, the saying the buck stops, where the buck stops and there's one person who's held like responsible for presenting that when you hit that miles milestone. And if it doesn't happen, like they need to, Put together a plan on how they're going to make it happen so the dris are really really key and then from there we just did um the third thing is just keeping everyone aligned and in sync and so we did weekly um cross-functional team syncs every week uh, we have a product product project manager robbie who did a phenomenal job on this project he he ran all this he, he put together the um the trackers he put together the weekly syncs and um you know, that's the third thing. And then the last thing is just being knowing that uh, whatever you plan is going to get thrown out the window at some point. Uh, it's just inevitable. Like you start somewhere and you say, here's how it's going to go. And that vision of like, or that blueprint of here's exactly what's going to go. I guarantee the project will not go that way. And just know that. Um, global pandemic. That, so the global pen, I say that specifically because of that, that threw a lot of wrenches, um, not wrenches, but a lot, we had to be very adaptable um, to make sure we were doing the right thing and to make sure that, um, that we were taking into consideration and having empathy for our customers and our partners and all that stuff and, and our, and our team itself. But that's just an example. There's, I guarantee uh, whatever project you're running, it's going to go off the rails and just know that that's just part of the game and, and be comfortable with that. So how many people are talking? You said there's someone from every department. That sort of were you? Was this your only project for this six to eight months? Or people? Did you have a core team who are on this hundred percent? Or were some people fifty fifty percent of their week? How, how does it work at somewhere like HubSpot? We had um, so it started off six or eight months ago with just the leadership team, which was for the CMS Hub specifically, and that was myself, Angela DeFranco, who's the director of product and um, Alex Gerard, who's the product marketing manager, and then Robbie, who's the pro project manager. So kind of us four um, to kick things off and get things organized. And then 
from there, um, you know, again, we try, there's a certain level of, you want all the teams to be autonomous in the work that they do. Um, you need to just set the desired outcomes and the milestones, and then it's up to the team to figure out how the heck they're going to make that happen. Um, but we looped in all the DRIs. The DRIs were very involved. Um, we probably had, uh, without with, off the top of my head, we probably had 20 DRIs and those DRIs were across all the different departments. And then each DRI had a set of teams that were executing on a particular tactic or a particular thing. So, I mean, it was just a massive, massive project. And I'm so absolutely proud of all of the teams, all the people involved. Um, for those DRIs, this is pretty much their full, was full-time gig the last six months. And uh, to really see them put the effort in and pull it all together and roll with the punches that we had to, um, going back to a boxing reference in Tyson Fury, roll it to punches. Um, it was truly incredible. I'm really, really proud of the, of the team. So to use that Tyson Fury analogy then, he, <laughs> he lost the title and then he took it back. Um, do any moments stand out where you maybe don't have to go into specifics too much, but a real challenge that, you, that was a bit of a worry at the time and then you remember like a, the aha moment where it, somebody cracked it. Is there anything like that? Uh, well, we have two tiers now, and I'm, I'm happy to explain what the difference are is between the two tiers. Um, but one of the things that we got into, and this goes back to, this is a learning lesson, something that we should have done early on, because it did require a lot of rework and a lot of polish and a lot of um, you know, changes that were disruptive in the short term, you know, the right changes to do in the long term. But the challenge that we, we the thing that we didn't consider, one of the many that we didn't consider early on was what is the story behind the professional tier versus the enterprise tier? We were very clear on what the story was for the CMS hub in general. Um, but when it got into the specific tiers, the story was a bit fuzzy. And so there was a lot of debate on, well, do we talk about the enterprise tier this way? Do we talk about it this way? Um, you know, what are the pains that someone who fits the profile of the, that enterprise, like what are they running into? And that story, the reason that story is important is you start again with the, it's the same as what we talk about with growth driven design and with the, with the process side of things, you start with the customer centric strategy. And so we needed to understand the world of the users and the companies of CMS Hub, and then understand where are their distinctions in the problems they're running into that we can start to peel apart these two tiers and, and build a story about how CMS Hub Professional, CMS Hub Enterprise solves those problems and allows you to make progress on it. Because that wasn't clear, um, it, it, again, it was we once that once those stories became clear, everything else locks into place. You know what features, what limits, what what should be on the marketing pages, what testimonials do we need, who should we get for the case studies, like all of that locks into place. But because we didn't identify that up front, um, that was I guess one of my learning lessons and one of the teams in general's learning lessons that. Um, we uh, we ended up having to like put in some extra effort um, to make sure that we got that good before launch, which which was, I feel very very good at. Yeah. Oh, I like it. And then, what's what's your day been like in the past week or so? In the last last minute, is it a mad rush or 
did you get it done early and you've had your feet up? What's it been what's it been like for the past few days? I, I imagine quite busy. Well we've again, um all the credit in the world to the team that, that had been working on this over the last few months and Robbie and Alex and Angela and everyone involved um, did such a phenomenal job that uh, despite a lot of rolling with the punches and despite a lot of things that it was, and despite it being HubSpot's biggest launch ever, it was very, very smooth. Um, and so that's all the credit in the world to the teams that are implementing it and the, the effort and the hard work that they put in. Um, so that was great. The, there was, there's always, again, you got to find those milestones that puts that healthy pressure on you and he healthy pressure on the teams. And so we had a few milestones that, you know, the teams were, were, you know, were maybe a little aggressive, um, in a good way. Um, but the ones towards the end, as you're talking about the last few weeks have actually been quite good because, um, again, we, we have been, um, trying to be very sensitive to the global situation and empathetic of our employees and our team members and all this. And so uh, the amount of things we were trying to do a month ago ended up getting spread out a little bit wider. So we got a little more breathing room because we didn't want to put pressure on the employees. We didn't want to launch something at a, at a critical point where, you know, it's, it's um, not appropriate for folks. So um that, that in, I guess, a silver lining way helped with some of the timelines and milestones at the end, which made the last few weeks a little bit more um, just polishing and a little less of a scramble to get it done. Um, so it's been good. And then the last day or two, I mean, we launched on Tuesday. So there has just been an amazing flood of uh, really interesting questions that have come up from partners, from developers, from uh, internal sales reps and service reps. And so the last two days, a lot of the leadership team is just making sure that we're answering the questions. Of course, there's a couple scenarios that, again, you're never going to account for all the scenarios and that's okay. So there's some scenarios now where we're like, oh, we, we hadn't like considered this scenario. Now let's like get together, do a little uh, huddle, figure out the solution and deploy it in a day or deploy it in a half a day. Um, and so we're resolving a lot of those like really fun scenarios that, um, you know, you just can't anticipate. So it's, it's been exciting doing a lot of stuff like this with, with amazing people like you. <laughs> oh, well, amazing people plus me. Um, then <laughs> I imagine it's like, like a website go live where that's like, you only spot those things once you have launched and once people are diving into the tool. So there's no way of without a crystal ball spotting everything is there. So do you have, um, thinking back to the growth driven design approach, have you launched and gone, gone to market with a wish list of things that we know are coming, or that you know are coming rather? Uh, I mean, the work never stops on the product team, no matter what HubSpot product team that is. They are, uh, I don't know, this is a public number. It's out there. Darmesh has talked about it, but I mean, they're doing like 200 um, pushes a day to the live production portal, meaning like there's 200 a day of tweaks and updates and changes to always be improving it. Um, a lot of those, of course, are on very small scale. We have larger you know, launches and stuff like that uh, periodically. So yeah, I mean, there's a ton of stuff always in the works. Um, we're very happy that we got the a lot of the existing stuff that came out with CMS Hub. Um, 
we're going to continue to polish, of course, but uh, we also have our eyes on resetting now and thinking about what's the what, what's the roadmap or what do we need to continue working on to, again, solve more of those friction, pain points, problems um, in the world of those folks that are using the tool. So it, it never stops, that's for sure. But yeah, those, those 200 um, product pushes explains why as my roles changed here at, at our agency and I'm less in inside HubSpot as much as I used to be. I remember logging in uh, one time last year and it was, I'm just, where am I? This looks different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a double-edged, it's a double-edged sword. Um, it's, it's, you know, at the end of the day, I, I believe that it is, I truly believe that it's the right thing to do because the product is always getting better and it's done in the service of making it better and solve problems better and make it easier. But there's a lot of like, we, we do get the feedback and it's true that sometimes there can be some like customers can feel like thrashing around a little bit when there's so much new things and it's really hard to stay up to date on things. Um, and so there's a certain level of UX, uh, you know, or customer experience that, um, you know, you have to understand is, is the trade-off when you move so quickly. But I think at the end of the day, when you weigh the pros versus the cons, at least at this point, it's been, um, you know, the right thing to do. And it's been led to why it's, um, you know, in the last few years, it's like just continuing to grow and, and um, help people tell you the, the truth as well whenever I couldn't find anything anymore and somebody who's in in the tool more than I am shows me and I always remember going oh, that makes more sense <laughs> that's a good sign um, so lastly um, we get a lot of questions from people who are thinking of moving to HubSpot as their CMS um, so I've got I've picked out three that are probably the most common um, what I've got HubSpot marketing. Why do I need to bother with the CMS too? Because I can do forms, I can do blogging, I can do landing pages on marketing. So why do I need to get the full CMS? Yeah, when you think of when you think of the tools that are in Marketing Hub, they are in service to like we think of marketing hub very much as your system and engagement how do we find how do we engage how do we you know grow and nurture prospects leads and customers and cms hub we think of as your system of content this is the like experience on the website and the experience that you that you have and so with marketing hub folks buy marketing hub when they need email campaigns, ad campaigns. They may need blogging for, again, engaging people who are on Google to pull them in onto the site. Um, when you're doing landing pages, those are very much a in-service to complement your ad campaigns, to complement your um, inbound campaigns. And so the, the functionality that's in some of those tools is geared towards um, enabling that on the, on the CMS hub side, it's built for people that just that need a website or want to build a web app. And that's kind of like plain as day. So um, it depends on, again, what you're trying to do. Uh, and then the tools and the limits and what you can do with them are kind of the features and functionalities of each one of those are kind of sprinkled together. Um, of course, there are many people that are very happy with other CMSs and you can integrate them in. We now have a WordPress 
um, plugin that you can basically seamlessly integrate it into WordPress, your marketing tools into WordPress. And that's really cool. Where you start to see the advantage of CMS Hub is where people start to outgrow their current CMSs, meaning they're finding that they're spending way too much time on updating plugins on, oh, our, our site got hacked and now we got to spend, you know, two hours, three hours, four hours on, on there, or, um, you know, our theme is out of date and it's unusable for us, or every time we make a change on the site, it breaks something else on the site. Like the system has just kind of, um, the business has outgrown the system that they have. And when you get to that point, that's where you can look at an alternative CMS, a modern CMS like HubSpot that again, it's a SaaS, so it just takes care of all that stuff. It's uh, one of the big features in the new CMS hub is this uh, a new editing experience for marketers and a new editing experience for developers. The developer one is is all locally, all code. You know, they can use all their tools and frameworks that they love to use. The marketer one is very, very drag and drop, get what their work they need to do. They can, they have knobs and dials for changing all the colors that they want. Um, they can add in modules, move things around. And so because it's a SaaS CMS, you don't run into any of the updates, maintenance and plugins, and the system is set up to just help the marketers get that work done. So that's where uh, we see a lot of marketing hub customers start to purchase the CMS and add it on is where they're trying to do WordPress, Drupal, Joomla, uh, could even be Sitecore, uh, could be EpiServer, like all of these traditional CMSs that are really maintenance heavy, very hard for marketers to use. They outgrow those or they're just not working for where they want for their business and then they turn and add on the modern, modern CMS. Makes sense. Um, one of the other top three questions probably that uh, we hear is, can it do everything that you can do on any other CMS? And you mentioned the developer tools. Yeah, I think I would have a very different answer uh, three years ago, four years ago. Um, and I think that's where a lot of folks have checked out the HubSpot CMS in the past. This is, I mean, just a totally different tool. I almost wish we could call it, I mean, we call it CMS Hub, versus HubSpot CMS intentionally in some ways because it is a brand new product and the experience is different, the functionality is different. Of course, we kept all the good, things like building dynamic content using HubDB, things like content staging, things like um, the A-B testing, all of that stuff. But uh, we've really built up its functionality. So these days, there are very, very few solutions or functionality that are I haven't seen an agency or developer or company be able to build on HubSpot CMS. The only areas where I start to see some, this is probably not a good fit for HubSpot CMS or CMS Hub, uh, is one, if it's a, a site that requires uh, very, very secure, uh, like sensitive data, so like medical records, billing system, like billing information, that sort of stuff um, is not a good fit. Luckily, most industries that have that need already have some industry specific portal for banking or for, for medical records or whatever. So, um, but that's, that's an area that I see if you're doing, if you're dealing with something that's like very, very sensitive information that just is not a good fit. Second is full blown e-commerce sites. 
there's a certain level that you can do on Hub, on CMS Hub and a certain level that it makes more sense to use a full-on um, e-commerce platform. So if you have a full shop, you're selling hundreds of products, you're better off using an e-commerce platform like Shopify. And then what we've done is we've built a native Shopify integration and we have an e-commerce bridge SDK to allow the developers to integrate into Marketo or into um, um, Magento and all the other you know big e-commerce stuff. If it's just, hey, we have, a, we have a subscription membership website or we have two products or one product, um, all of that payment processing type stuff, the very simple stuff can be done on CMS Hub now. Um, so that's, that's where the lines are starting to shift that those things are possible. And um, those are really the only two. Um, you know, now we have, uh, especially in the enterprise edition, we've blown open the door on what's possible. And we've done that again, the way that we position CMS Hub Enterprise, it's for uh, growing companies that want to build powerful web applications and provide governance of a growing team. So teams growing, they need to um, set proper access levels, use SSO, their security team just like has a certain level of check boxes that the system needs to have. Uh, it checks all those boxes. But to your point, that web application, being able to build web apps on top of HubSpot.CMS. So the tools that are in there, we have uh, membership, uh, login functionality. So you can create memberships, gated content areas, Example of that is like client dashboards, dealership, dealer um, only sections onto the site, subscription membership, uh, paid subscription membership websites with exclusive content. We have a new feature called serverless functions. And that's a little like techie word, but uh, you know, for us layman folks, basically it means you can host um, web applications directly in the CMS. You don't need to go spin up some server somewhere and connect it through all these APIs and do all this stuff. It's just all baked directly in the CMS, which is more secure, allows it to move faster, and it's just less headache. You don't have to maintenance all these external servers. Um, so um, allows you to run the web apps. We have things like reverse proxy support. We have, again, HubDB, which is a little lightweight database. That's in both tiers. But again, that allows you to create those dynamic uh, data-driven, uh, database-driven experiences. So the sky's the limit. I've seen so many cool things. And the place to check them out, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know about this guy, Luke. I don't know if he's telling the truth. If you want it, the proof is in the pudding. And if you want to see it, we just relaunched a site that is on Inspire hubspot.com inspire.hubspot.com and it is a new directory of all the cool stuff built on the cms um we just launched it i think we got about 120 130 examples in there now but we're getting like you know loads of them in every day so you know by the time you check this there could be double or more but uh yeah that's the place to go you can see all the stuff you can see the calculators you can see the web apps you can see user onboarding experiences um all the cool stuff in there I think as well. Um, so we'll put that in the in the show notes and on on the blog post. I think as well you showed me um, like a preview of that and just a it's like a catalogue. Um, we have a thing over here called Argos, full of all the catalogue full of toys, and it's like, yeah. oh, I can do that. I can do that. Um, and all the guys. Yeah. And the cool thing is when you go there, it is it's a hundred percent built on CMS Hub. 
So it's a perfect example of a web application. It's a marketplace. It looks just like Airbnb. So it's a marketplace that is built 100% on um, CMS Hub. And we built it using growth-driven design process. It went from kickoff to launch in 45 days. So when you're like wondering, what is this lightweight website? What is this, uh, we call it a launch pad site, the starting point. What does that look like? Um, Again, it's a site that looks and performs better than what you have today. And I can tell you the new Inspire performs way better and looks way better and, and has a way better user experience than the old one. Um, last one. What if well, I want to move away from the CNS one day? That is probably the biggest common objection I ever hear. Quickly, yeah. what, 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 what's your answer to that? Yeah, as someone who has purchased software in the past, one of the things you always want to keep in mind is, you know, they call it vendor lock-in. I don't want to get locked in for the long haul. Um, there's a couple of talking points here. The first thing that I, I love to level set with everyone, and the level set here is regardless of the system you're changing, when you're talking about something like a CRM, when you're talking about something like a CMS, it's always going to be a big project. Um, you know, there's, there's anyone who tells you it's a simple one-click to move something that massive is, uh, is uh, blowing smoke. It's, uh, it's, so that's one thing is no matter what system, even if you're moving from two open source systems like uh, WordPress to Drupal, Drupal to WordPress, um, it's always gonna be a big project. So I just, I like to level set there. Um, the second thing is we, as part of our customer code, so we have this thing called the customer code, which is essentially our grading scorebook of how are we treating our customers and you can i think if you go to customercode.com you can not only see exact exactly what that looks like but you can also see how hubspot's grading ourselves and we got some areas to work in uh, just like every company one of the line items on the customer code i think there's like five line items is don't block the exit and what that means is that if you're no longer providing value, if you're no longer helping that person achieve those desired outcomes, don't make it hard to switch. Don't make it hard to get out. Mm. And, um, you know, again, there's, there's levels to this. There's companies that are B2C that, you know, it's one click, you cancel, no big deal. Um, and then you have legacy old ways of thinking where you call up the telecom company and it's like a nightmare to even like get a hold of someone, let alone try to cancel. Um, HubSpot airs on more of the, the lighter side. We, of course, have work to do. So that's the first thing it's like from our core beliefs, we believe we shouldn't block the exit. The way we're doing that is with the CMS specifically is we have a, a site export tool. There's three ways to do it. We have a site export tool where you can um, download all of your website assets, um, you know, your files, your images, your pages, the sitemap, all that stuff. You can download it and export it out. The second uh, way you can export the stuff is um, through the local development tooling. So because we have a local development CLI, a developer can pull down all of the coded files to their local computer, but they can also run it through um, a tool called GitHub. And GitHub is, you can kind of think of GitHub kind of like Google Drive, but for developers, it's like way more technical, way more nerdy, but it's a way to store things and keep track of version control and all of that stuff. And so they can pull it through GitHub to have a backup to have access to all the coded files and all of that. Um, the third way you can do it is through our APIs. So we have, again, if you have a developer, um, to, to note the first one, the site export is for marketers. It's, there's a knowledge doc, it's really easy. You click a button, it, it downloads a zip file. Second one, probably need a, a developer who knows how to work locally. Most developers know how to lo work locally. 
the APIs, you, you need someone who knows how to use APIs. My, you know, most developers do, but some developers don't. The APIs will allow you to pull down all the content as well. No matter which, I guess the fourth option that you have is there are services out there, there are companies out there that basically just do this for you. So if you're like, I don't have a developer, I had the site export and I'm just kind of struggling. There's companies out there that make it, that basically do all this stuff for you. You do pay a fee, but they do all the heavy lifting and just save you all the time, basically. Um, I will say no matter which route you go, again, still gonna take work, just like any other CMS, you're gonna have to read, re, depending on where you're moving it to, you're gonna have to probably um, go through the code and just tweak things to fit the new system. But again, that's the exact same thing you have to do if you're moving any other tools. So um, we have a lot of ideas on how we're gonna make it even better, um, but that's what's available as of today. I don't know why that's the biggest common objection, but I guess, a WordPress agency will get asked the same thing. Why should I move? Why do I get out of WordPress if needs be? And yeah, so it all makes perfect sense. Um, the way we like to finish this is a, a quick tip, a takeaway or one thing that somebody can do to improve their website. What should, what should they investigate? What should they try and tweak? What, could they, what test could they run? Something that they could just try that you are pretty confident will make their website better for their customers? I'll give you, I'll give you a, a long-term and a short-term. The short-term is like, what's something you could implement today and probably see some value in. Uh, the, the longer term is probably like the longer strategy. So the longer term one, uh, again, we wanna have an understanding of the customer, customer's world so that we can start tailoring, like understand what anxieties they're going through, why they switched to our product, why did they leave us to a competitor? Um, and that all informs, again, the pages, the testimonials, the copy you write, the way you position. So the best thing you can do, as much as we try to be analytical and look at data and, and pull things from analytics, the best thing you can do is find 10 customers who in the last 30 days switched to your company's product or service and 10 customers who in the last 30 days left your company to a competitor and have a conversation with them to have a better understanding of what scenario they were in, what anxieties did they have, what was the, the forcing function or push that caused them to start looking for a new solution mm -hmm. and what were they, what attracted them to to either a competitor or attracted them to your company. And all of those, if you run those user interviews, they're time consuming, but you're gonna find absolute gold. Um, and so that's great. And then from there, the insights you get from those interviews, you can go check the data and validate it in other ways when you look at the analytics, but you will find absolute gold there. And that will, the things you hear in there will probably spark a ton of ideas on how you can improve the site. But that would be the first thing across the entire business. Exactly, because the website is just a, a digital extension of the business. It's, it's you know, the, the digital experience of that business, including um, the products and services and all that stuff. So, yeah, totally. And then the, the quick thing that you could do today, the, the, the lowest effort, highest impact thing that you can do to drive um, change on your website, it, a lot of people really goof up um, messaging and copy and especially in very high impact areas like the hero image that kind of, that's like the first thing you see when you land on the page, it's like the big header at the top, um, the menu items and the call to action 
that is as in that first snapshot. And so I would, and again, the, the user interviews will help inform this a lot, but I would take a look at your message and see how clear and concise it strikes heart at the pain point the person is experiencing and a quick soundbite on the new world that your product or service can create. And if you look, pull up your website and it doesn't like, it's a good activity. You could first write that on a journal and talk to people and write that in a journal. Once you have it written down, go look at the front of your website and see if they match. And most likely they won't. And that will, uh, that will help inform like how you should adapt that. That's where you're going to see the most impact. Um, and again, a lot of it is just um, being crystal clear, being very, very crystal clear, very short, very to the point. Um, and of course you can always do AB testing and things like that on different variations, but um, even, even, even just taking a step back and looking at what's being said there is, is a lot of times you'll be like, wow, I can't believe like we were even saying it this way. We haven't even thought about it. I've already got pages coming to mind and that's going on straight on my to-do list for next week. Revisit all uh, above the fold of all, all our pages and all our clients pages. I'll give, I'll give you one more uh, really quick. Oh, yeah, definitely. So as a part of this launch, um, we have a tool called website grader. It's websitegrader.com. And this is a free tool that does an audit on your website and basically tells you what you're doing really well on and some areas to improve. And as a part of this launch for CMS hub, we relaunched site grader with even more detail. And so, um, it is, uh, probably the easiest way to just kind of get the red flags that are happening on your site from an SEO, from a performance, from a, you know, different perspectives. And then it tells you exactly what you need to do to fix that. Um, you know, of course you can, you got to fix it on your own or hire an agency or, you know, use a tool like HubSpot, but um, it's the easiest way to identify the, the low hanging fruit or the high impact stuff that you can do on speed, security, uh, SEO performance, like that sort of thing. Amazing. Well, that's been the most enjoyable hour of my day by far. <laughs> well, I appreciate it too. I haven't, I haven't been able to jump on a call yet today. It's been just all heads down work in my home oh. alone. So being a social person, it's, I'm, I'm really happy I got to spend an hour with you. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, well, you have a good rest of the day. Um, like we said at the beginning, check out the, uh, talk from Love Inbound and rethinking, uh, website. Check out our GDD pillar page for more on that topic. Um, yep. And also we'll put in plenty of, plenty of links to the inspire.com and uh, when we can, the big splash about the CMS hub. Which, yeah. Uh, we're all super excited about Thank you very much, Luke. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for everyone who's listening. Cheers.